Hey y'all, Pastor Emil here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, dessert is sweet, all kinds of things in life are sweet, but Jesus is sweeter. Wanted to get something else out today. Um, there's just so much chaos going on in the world. It's uh January 7th. Yesterday was the Epiphany uh, celebration, uh, and there was also all kinds of stuff that happened in the world that I think are having an impact and on a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Uh, I, I don't know that I have enough detail to really talk about the specifics of what happened or didn't happen. Uh, I guess I'm just looking at the conversations or the lack of conversations, the back and forth between all kinds of people in, in all kinds of circles with all kinds of ideas and from all different uh, vantage points and viewpoints and uh, perspectives. And, you know, it seems like we've seen this all year, well, not all year, 2020, back through 2020. We've been seeing it for years, too, probably. Uh, you know, the people that may be rightly outraged don't seem to be able to see their own behavior kind of mirroring uh, what's going on and, and what's what's creating their outrage. Uh, they're failing to see the way they have contributed maybe to creating a culture that led to whatever big incident it happens to be, whether it's the one that we're dealing with now, uh, with the assault on the Capitol, uh, or any of all kinds of other things we've been seeing in the last uh, 12 months. Uh, I see people being defensive uh, and responding to those who are kind of outraged about whatever it happens to be, and they're getting defensive. They're making all kinds of excuses about whatever it is that's going on. They have counterclaims. They have uh, all th all sorts of things that they are uh, using to deflect and excuse, uh, point back at uh, the others who are outraged, uh, making all kinds of comparisons. Uh, and that makes those most outraged point out how it's not the same thing and they justify the things they've been a part of or condoned or failed to condemn in the past and it seems like we're we're in this vicious cycle and I don't know how many people see that but my guess is if there are a lot of people that see that they're not the most vocal right so they're not going to jump in on 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 most any of these things that that happen uh, that have happened and that are happening and that will likely continue to happen. So I started thinking about it, and uh, I'm thinking that if you don't first see yourself as part of the problem, you can't be part of the solution. If you don't first see yourself as part of the problem, you can't be part of of the solution and sort of the inspiration for this was something I just put up on Facebook a little while ago there's a quote from a guy GK Chesterton Gilbert Keith Chesterton I just found out actually as I was doing some re research on this there's this story and it seems like it is probably true 
uh, or at least it makes sense that it would be true. It's something he would say. There was supposedly this newspaper that was soliciting input from a variety of people, a variety of people in the community, uh, smart people, influential people, and they posed them with the question, what's wrong with the world? And so they sent a request to this guy, G.K. Chesterton, and he responded, Dear sir or madam, in response to your inquiry about what's wrong with the world, I am <laughs> sincerely yours, G.K. Chesterton. And so that's gotten me to this place where I'm thinking, you know, if you don't first see yourself as part of the problem, you can't be part of the solution. Uh, so I'm not going to condemn anyone but myself. I'm not going to defend myself or any actions or inaction or anything else. I am just going to try and break through some of the chaos and all of the finger-pointing and labeling and arguing and shouting and outrage and turn it where I think it's supposed to be biblically. Um, Jesus, you know, really gives, if you don't know Jesus, you may know people that know Jesus, say they know Jesus, but I think a lot of us don't realize the resources we have in Jesus. Uh, yes, we have a Savior who loves us, forgives us, has all kinds of future plans for us in a world without all this mess, but what he has done for us, what he has won for us, what he has planned for us, that should all actually give us something that helps us to be honest about ourselves and our failures and our part in whatever is going on, going wrong with the world. We're, we're, and we all, Christians, non-Christians alike, and, and of course uh, more so the, the fewer and fewer Christians there are, uh, which I think is an important correlation, in my mind, the, the less that Jesus has been a significant influence in our society and in the hearts and minds of his followers, uh, the more fragile our egos are and the more unable we are to reflect uh, on, on our own behavior, on our own contribution to a variety of things going on in the world. Uh, and so since uh, nobody seems to be able to do it, and I'm certainly not able to do it <laughs> nearly as well as I should, uh, I Like I said, I'm not going to condemn anyone but myself. So what's wrong with the world? I am what's wrong with the world. I am selfish. I care more about myself than my neighbors. I care more about myself than my wife. She sleeps in the same bed right next to me, about as close a neighbor as you can get. I care more about myself than my kids. I know that uh, there are a variety of times when I've realized that a lot of the times the things that most upset me about my kids, the things that drive me the most bonkers, the things that frustrate me, uh, as much as I make it sound like it's about them and I'm trying to help them become good human beings, really, 
I'm selfish. I care more about myself than I care about them. I care more about what other people think of me based on their behavior. I care more about the way their achievements uh, reflect on me. I care more about the way that the things they're doing wrong at times, uh, their personal challenges remind me more of what's wrong with me. I care more about myself than my neighbors next door and and down the street, uh, many of whom I haven't even met. I care more about myself than my community. I care more about myself than my state. I care more about myself than my nation. I care more about myself than the rest of the people on this planet. I care more about my own success, my own gain, than I care about my neighbor's success. And for neighbor, you can throw in all those people, all the above. I've used my time for me rather than to hear and listen to the cares and concerns of others. I've used my money for me rather than being generous to those who are in need, those who uh, have far greater needs than I do. I, I've cared less about the country and the community in which I live than I have cared about my own personal well-being and my own entertainment. As long as I'm okay, to hell with the rest of you. It's kind of the way I live my life. The more this craziness goes on, I, I find myself drawn even more to that idea, caring even less, <laughs> and saying to myself that just as long as I'm okay, I am not about to get involved in these projects, <laughs> these messes, these situations and circumstances, the, the kinds of things that are actually the building blocks for a healthy, functioning culture and society. I've also not just cared less about the country and the community, I've cared more about my nation, my political affiliations, and uh, all of the things that go along with it than I have cared about my Lord. I have had my priorities so far out of whack that no good could possibly come of any of this. I've been content to let the news make me angry and afraid and that is true no matter what your news source. I've let that keep me from hard conversations. I've let my anger and my fear keep me from having hard conversations and allowing me to possibly be wrong, possibly be forced to change my mind, possibly be forced to look foolish, perhaps. I've let my anger and my fear keep me from loving and serving all people. I've let my pride convince me that winning is everything. I've let the world convince me that the kingdoms of this world and the political leaders of this world are of the utmost importance. You know, that was something I was thinking about, uh, I guess it was yesterday, 
when that uh, unique prayer was prayed in Congress by a representative, senator, I forget, uh, African-American man who was also an ordained minister, I think a United Methodist guy. And actually his prayer was pretty awesome, except for the end part, it got a little weird, and that's everybody had something else to be outraged about. (laughs) But there was one thing he said that really got my attention. It stuck with me. Because, it was, like I said, it was a good prayer. Uh, it was a really good prayer. But he said this thing. He said something about this consequential chamber. And I think he had good intentions. You know, I, I don't, I'm not trying to get on the guy. Uh, and, and initially, at first hearing, I went, oh, yeah, yeah, this is an important place. And, and, and we need to pray for what happens in here. But then, again, it just, I couldn't get it out of my mind. My mind sort of zoomed right in on it. And I thought about it for the rest of the day, into the night, and and into the morning. That might be part of the problem. (laughs) This idea that that is the consequential chamber. And it's not the dinner tables, the homes, the churches, the, the neighborhoods. We, we have lost sight of what may be far more important than some building a couple of thousand miles away from where I'm sitting. Um, I've forgotten the way Peter tried to take out his sword to cut off some guy's ear, and Jesus told him, put it away. I've forgotten what Jesus said to Pilate. You would have no power over me unless it was given to you from above. And, you know, I was thinking about that uh, in connection to the whole consequential chamber idea. You know, Pilate is making that case to Jesus. Don't you realize what a consequential person I am? (laughs) A consequential moment this is? Uh, A consequential... Uh, palace this is, and and I have power to uh, release you. I have power to set you free. Based on my word, you will either live or die. And I wonder, did Jesus laugh? You know, because you don't see that in the Bible passage in John 18, I think it is, John 18 or 19. Uh, where Jesus says, you would have no power over me unless it was given you from above. And I think we often play that as very somber and serious. I think I've seen it in a couple of Jesus films. And again, it always seems so sad and somber. But did Jesus laugh? Did Jesus, (laughs) (laughs) Pilate, get over yourself, man. You would have no power over me unless it was given you from above. I've believed that the people in those quote-unquote consequential halls are more important than my prayers and my conversations, my consequential conversations with neighbors and colleagues, with friends, and family. 
What's wrong with the world? I am. I am the problem because I don't seek first the kingdom of God in his righteousness. In confident faith that everything else will be taken care of. Like Jesus says in Matthew 6.33. I am the problem because I keep trying to pull out weeds and damage wheat in the process. That's a parable from Jesus in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, I think I'm actually going to read that. Starting in verse 24 through 30, and then the explanation of the parable starts in verse 36 and goes through verse 43. So I'm going to read that here. So Jesus put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Um, The message there that Jesus is getting across is that, yes, there's good and bad in the world. There's good and evil. There are good people and evil people. They're all over the place. They're in the world. They're in the church. But I am what's wrong with the world because I also forget that the weeds and the wheat aren't just intertwined in the world and in the church, but they are also intertwined more closely than I can begin to imagine in my own heart. I believe my intentions are noble and pure and my enemies, well, they aren't. I magnify my own achievements and minimize my flaws. While I minimize the achievements of others and maximize their flaws. I'm tempted to pull out the weeds that I see around me, damaging wheat in the process, and not being willing to examine the weeds in my own heart. What's wrong with the world? I am. Because I don't love God with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. What's wrong with the world? I am. Because I don't love my neighbor as myself. What's wrong with the world? I am. 
because I don't practice the golden rule. I don't treat others the way I want them to treat me. I demand better treatment than I am willing to give to those around me. What's wrong with the world? I am. Because I nurse grudges and hold on to past hurts. What's wrong with the world? I am. Because I spend too much time thinking. I spend too much time talking. And I don't spend nearly enough time doing. I spend too much time trying to achieve great things, supposedly great things, and I forget what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, that literally nothing I could ever possibly achieve, no fascinating spiritual thing I could ever possibly do is worth anything without love. I hope that more and more of us can come to this place where we recognize that what's wrong with the world is not what we see on TV, not what we see people we disagree with doing. What's wrong with the world exists not just in them, not just in our enemies, the people we dislike. But what's wrong with the world is something that lives in each and every one of us. It's sin. It's an opposition, a steadfast opposition in our hearts and our minds and our lives to thinking of God first and others second and ourselves third. It's an addiction to making ourselves feel good, justifying our existence, finding things that make us feel important, and making sure we tear down everyone else to make sure our heads are just a little bit higher than theirs. Sin is a disease, and it lives in all of us. And Jesus is the only answer. Jesus comes and loves God completely and trusts him fully. He seeks first the kingdom of God and trusts his Father to take care of everything else. And he does. Jesus willingly goes through just immense physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual torture to pay for our sins, to create a path for us back to God, to create a way for us to be in a world without this disease, a world without the effects of this disease, without the pain, the suffering, and the death that comes along with it. And until we recognize again 
that that problem, that those seeds, that that those weeds live inside each and every one of us. And until we recognize and are humbled by what Jesus did for us and recognize that we don't need any other kind of validation or acceptance, that we have everything we need, we are loved and accepted beyond anything we could even imagine in and through Jesus, well, then we're not going to be able to have the kinds of conversations that are going to get us anywhere. And we're just going to wind up perpetuating the problem. So, once again, what's wrong with the world? I am. And so are you. And if you don't first see yourself as part of the problem, you can't be part of the solution. I am looking forward to the day when Jesus returns and fully and finally does away (laughs) with sin and evil. If he had done it when he came the first time, none of us would have made it. None of us would have made the cut. We'd all be gone. But he decided to put himself in harm's way, to accept the consequences of our sin on himself so that one day we will live forever with him and all the consequences of sin will be gone and there will be no more failures within government, within the media, within society, within social media, within anything and everything between races, between uh, there won't be any political parties, uh, there won't be violence, there won't be uh, fear, Uh, there will be no reason to be angry, there will just be peace, there will just be joy, because the thing that we have been striving for, the, the hole in our hearts, in our souls that has us constantly striving, we'll finally have the thing, the person, the only person who can actually fully and completely satisfy that desire. He'll be right there with us. He'll welcome us. He'll embrace us. He'll show us the incredible future that we have in store and comfort us and love us and care for us perfectly forever. And that is why I not only say that I am what's wrong with the world, but I also say, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your son. Uh, Thank you for all that he has done for us. I thank you for this life, uh, for the breath of life, and the many blessings that you have given me, blessings I often lose sight of in the midst of the chaos and confusion and pain and suffering I see in the world. Uh, But uh, 
I thank you so much for what Jesus has done because I can face this chaos and confusion and all those that know Jesus can face the chaos and confusion with hope, knowing that just as you came at Christmas, just as you came to deliver us from our sins, you will one day come again to rescue us from the brokenness that we see around us. You will establish a new heavens and a new earth, a place without pain and suffering and death. And we will bask in the glorious bliss of your presence forever and ever. I pray for all those listening, that they would find comfort and hope in you. I pray that those that know you would know what they have in you would use those resources to better navigate this world and bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray those that don't know you might come to know you and rejoice in the peace and hope that we have because of what you have done, because of what we know you will do. Thank you, Jesus, for so much. Help us through these days ahead. Amen.